So I installed uh, VMware Fusion last week. Okay. Okay. And that was to emulate uh, Windows XP. That's yeah, My understanding is that's what it's used for, yes. Because uh, I didn't have a, a license uh, that I could... Well, I, I have licenses from MSDN like up through Windows Vista, but I don't have any newer licenses. Uh, and the purpose of that was to uh, reinstall Midtown Madness 2. Oh, that was a callback to our the last episode. And it's also me wasting eight hours playing Midtown Madness 2. So how did you get a copy of the game? Uh, I had an ISO from, that I saved from like some old computer. The one I had that had that weird, um, what was that company? There was that like silent PC case I had for a while. Oh yeah, and I, I bought that too. Yeah, I forgot the company who made it. But anyway. It, it wasn't really that quiet though. Yeah, nothing in PCs ever are. No. But yeah, that, that game holds up. Uh, and so now that you've lived in San Francisco for, you know, in the, the Bay Area, I guess, for a few years. It's surprisingly inaccurate. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. I, I'd imagine it hits the kind of the, the big landmarks, but then everything in between is sort of just not in any way accurate. So it's, it's funny they mentioned that because like, I mean, it, it kind of is really accurate in ways and it sort of, it sort of isn't. I mean, like in order to make it uh, accurate or like to make it fun as a game. They have to exaggerate some things. Um, like you can drive across the city in a minute and a half in, in a very regular car, which seems kind of a... Which, which, of course, today would never happen, but... I'm not even talking about like traffic, but just like just going at like whatever 100 miles an hour that you can do, like the top speed and whatever VW bug was in the game. Um, yeah, you can get from uh, the ferry building to the Golden Gate Bridge in uh, like a minute. I just I just remembered. Wasn't one of the big selling features of that game was that it featured the new redesigned bug? It featured the new redesigned bug, an Audi TT, um, and a whole lot of cars. Yeah, it was it was very good. It it holds up well. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, so like a lot of things that I when I played it, I didn't really know what they were. Like I, I didn't really know what the ferry building was when I, when I was in middle school. So that that makes more sense now. But I do like at the end when you get to the end of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, when you're driving into Marin, it's just uh, like a U-turn <laughs> because there's like, oh, the game ends here. Uh, that's that's pretty good. So yeah, that's that's super fun. So I'd rec- I'd recommend doing that. I, I still remember all the old like uh, secret passages and jumps. So that's um, yeah, it sticks with you. Well, so the uh, the most important question by far is, did you attempt to get onto the MSN gaming zone and and play online? I did, and then I looked on Wikipedia, and they closed that down in 2007. And now if you go to zone.msn.com, I think it just uh, tells you to play like Bejeweled or like Microsoft. Oh, Bubble Mouse. What's the domain? It's just zone.com, right? Zone.msn.com. Well, zone.com redirects. So Bubble Mouse is apparently the hip happening. Oh, this, this website actually still looks like it uh, got frozen in 2007. Um, wow. Yeah, this is not at all what it used to be. There's no edge, Age of Empires here. Uh, so the, the top five free games on the uh, MSN games page are Text Twist, Bubble Town, Ma- Mahjong, Dimensions, Just Words, and Jigsaw. Text Twist was fun. I used to have that on my old um, Sony Clie uh, Palm OS. I only recognized like one of those words. Because yeah, I, I, I used to just be super into um, like Palm OS and like handheld devices. It's fair, to, it's fair to say you were a Palm fanboy. 
I wasn't a Palm fan. Like, cause the thing is, I I I wanted to buy the Sony one because it was slightly cooler than all and less and more obscure than the because uh, everybody had a Palm Five back in like 1998, and it was cool. There was an app called Avant Go. Did you ever have a Palm OS device? Yes, uh, my dad had one at work, which he then stopped using for work and passed down to me. And it was one of the first ones which had a cellular connection in it. Ooh, did you have the Palm 7? I, I couldn't tell you. But I just remember being able to access some mobile version of ESPN and getting like sports scores. But are you sure it was a live connection? Because like AvantGo was this service where it would link into the Palm desktop and HotSync Cradle application. Oh, no, no. This was like I'd be at my grandparents' house or something and, you know, was out in the backyard and I could, I could tap, a, tap the screen and get sports scores. Gotcha. But yeah, Vanco was cool because you could uh, cache the internet and browse it days later when you're offline and it was super out of date. So it, it looked, it looks, the picture you just sent, it, it did look similar to that. So yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And then uh, what, what else was there? Do you, do you remember a weird Sony? I mean, is that any different than today's Sony? Hold on. Let me, let me see if I can remember this. Because they used to make some super, super weird stuff. I actually remember them being a fairly sought after brand when like when you and I first started working at Best Buy in what about two thousand four? Like they were they were one of kind of the, the premium PC brands. Oh yeah, Vio Vios were big things. But they used to make weird stuff like this. So how do you pronounce this? It was the Sony Clie. Clie. Boy, that's uh I don't I don't really know what the, there's a lot to say here. I mean the the full size keyboard looks like no more than about a five or a six-year-old would be able to type on it. Um, and then the screen literally looks like they just tried to fit a like old 17-inch LC or like CRT display into a cell phone. Well, no. The whole point was that that had a super high-resolution display relative to what you could get on Palm's uh, first-party devices. But I just mean the UI basically just looks like a desktop compressed down to a cell phone. Eh, kind of. That's, that's just what Palm OS looked like. So, so Sony ran Palm OS. Yes, they were a licensor of uh, Palm OS, just like IBM for a very short time made uh, Palm OS devices. And um, I don't know if Handspring was the same company as Palm. Hmm. Because Handspring made some kind of, they were kind of the lower end Palm maker, and they also made some weird ones, like they had the Visor Edge. And I think they made the first Trio. They did. You're much more knowledgeable about the earlier days of tech. I feel like compared to you, I'm a, a latecomer. I think that's true. And I think that's why I'm, I wish I could break away from the past because I think that ruins everything else for me. That's why I'm never going to, um, like people are going to pry uh, desktop computers from my cold dead hands. I think though, in a lot of ways, and I guess you you didn't have this experience with Midtown Madness too, which is good. Um, but I think a lot of times when you do try to go back to some of that stuff that you remember fondly, whether it's a, a favorite game or a favorite piece of hardware or software, it, it r rarely does that stuff ever hold up. I think it depends because it has to be something that there isn't a better version of now. Like, I, I, I don't think I can go back fondly and look at the first iPhone and be like, uh, this is fantastic, this is, this is cool, and, and like has, has merits of its own, like, like, a, like a fine older wine. No, it's just a worse version of what we have now. But I think some of these old 
technology things that were like leapfrogged or there was something entirely different that came after it. And especially like with games and that kind of stuff, I think they still hold up. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Games may be more than a piece of hardware or like an operating system or something hold up better. Yeah, like Mario. Like, uh, like I, w- I would, every couple of years I rediscover like NES emulators and I will play the original Super Mario Brothers uh, like a couple times through. You know, one of the worst decisions I ever made uh, as a kid, this was, I guess, either sixth or seventh grade, when, whatever year the original Xbox came out. We we had a garage sale. I can I can already I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, I had the original Nintendo, a you know ton of games. I had gotten the original Nintendo when I was, I think maybe four or five. So this would have been like 1991. So I had this for about a decade. So I had accumulated tons of games and accessories. Like I you know I had the light gun of course, and I had the Game Shark and Aww. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, just boxes of stuff. And I sold all of it because I was trying to uh, save enough money to buy the original Xbox. And so I, I, I did sell all this stuff at the garage sale and actually got, you know, a pretty good amount of money for it. Um, but then, you know, the original Xbox came out and was basically a complete dud. And even as a kid, I remember being fairly disappointed by it. And it didn't really hit me then and there. But a few years later, I started looking back on that and went, man, I really wish I still had that original Nintendo that's such a sad story but it just rem- do you remember how um ridiculous uh the original xbox controller was oh absolutely well, I, I do because they only made that original controller for a fairly short period of time before they revised it down to a smaller version so i had the i had two in fact of the original original controllers that were just enormous and enormous for no good reason like there this, was a this big... thing is like 40 percent logo for no reason well that's what i was going to say is that you know it, it, at least with today's controllers you know when they're even when they're a little bit on the larger side like even you know, the the xbox controller today is still really good but it's you know it's a sizable controller but it it uses its space pretty well whereas like yeah that original xbox controller is just this big plastic thing it's not even a button that just sits in the middle of the controller and it's it's just the logo and then to, to kind of round this topic out i never had an n64 but what was ever going on with that controller you know it, it's weird because it, it's such a strange controller but it just it somehow works um you know, even when you go back and play something like mario kart 64 today like that controller still holds up okay um like i mean maybe it's because i didn't have one but i could never get in the hang of there being like this weird button underneath the controller and that always put me at a disadvantage when i went over to people's houses to play video games hmm <sighs> yeah the, the the original nintendo and the nintendo 64 were kind of too i mean like <laughs> the sega saturn hold on you know, so one of my neighbor friends growing up had the Sega Sega Saturn, so I, I never really felt the need to have one because I would just go over to his house and play. Um, I think eventually maybe I bought it from him or something like that because I think I did eventually end up with it, but... No, but hold on, because we're having a controller discussion. What I just sent you a link, but what on earth? Yeah, I had, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> it basically looks like a... It's like holding uh, a disc man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, I was going to say like a uh, Disc Walkman. I had forgotten that they were just called Discman. <laughs> disc Walkman. Did you ever have one that had the anti-skipping technology? Of course. Yeah, I remember 
uh, I, I, this is really nerdy. I would rollerblade around the neighborhood because I just, I don't know. I, I was pretty terrible at skateboarding. So I thought rollerblading was cool and I had an anti-skip CD player so that I could, I don't know if it was a disc man or not, but, uh, regular CD players would, would skip too much. So I, I think for my birthday or for Christmas or something, got a, you know, I guess what it did, right. Is it kind of like buffered the music. It did, and it just killed your battery because it would, it would. I think it had like sixty-four megs of uh, storage, and it would, it would cache like the next couple songs. I kind of skipped. Um, where where is it? Where is it? Kind of. I, I had a disc man for a very short time, and then I upgraded to uh, what was called a TDK Mojo. Do you remember this at all? No. It was. I gotta find a good picture. Um, it was where you could burn MP3 CDs, and you could hold like a hundred songs. But it was like the world's worst like precursor to the iPod. I, well, I do so I don't remember the specific piece of hardware you're talking about. Although I, I guess it does kind of look familiar. But I definitely remember like MP3 CDs being a thing. What a weird stopgap measure. Yeah, man. Just the whole the whole idea of burning discs, man. And then just actually, if we're just gonna go this far, we're gonna round it out with uh, I guess my favorite uh, rest in peace. Uh music playing device was the uh, creative nomad three hmm okay see i had one that i think it was made by didn't one of the big hardware manufacturers of mp3 players have like wave in the name or something am i making that completely up maybe there was creative arcos and rio and then it was just ipod maybe it was rio i don't remember but anyway my first mp3 player was a little over the size of a double a battery because it 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 held one AA battery. Like you just, you know, you open the little door on the end and you'd slip the battery in there. And then it basically just sort of enclosed the battery. Hold on, you're not talking about a SanDisk Sansa, are you? I don't think so, no. No. Uh, but that was my first MP3 player. And I think it it held maybe something like 15 to 25 tracks. So it couldn't have been more than like, maybe like 32 megs something like that i don't remember what the the brand or make of that was and it wasn't uh a dell diddy <laughs> no i remember that uh, but no it, this was before that okay before we lose all our listener singular yeah um let, let's move on okay um, all right so um did you actually end up did you end up seeing the martian i did yes did it have the slack ad in front of it or no Yes, it did. How was it? In theaters, did people pay attention to it? Um, well, actually, no. Now I can't remember if I saw it before the movie or if you had sent it to me right before the movie. No, you know, you sent it to me right before I left for the theater. That's what it was. So it wasn't there? No, I don't think so. Oh, lame. That ad was long that you sent me. It was like almost two minutes. It was good, though. It was fine. Like, it makes sense in a theater environment. It explains a very compl- or uh, what can be a complicated product in a very short amount of time. In a very... Uh, Entertaining way. Yeah. Okay. And then before we get into the meat of this, do you want to talk baseball at all? Well, I mean, is there really anything to say? Well, yeah. Chase, uh, or Chase Utley's a scumbag. Boo Dodgers. Blue Jays are terrible fans. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that, the, the game today. So Did I you mean, watch it? Well, no. I was at work, but I, you know, was following, following on the Twitter, as the kids do, and... Yeah, it was crazy. 
And I, I saw the saw the replay when I got home tonight. And it, yeah, pretty. seventh inning was nuts. And also, apparently, uh, Tor- what is wrong with Toronto? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that could happen anywhere. Um, eh, throwing stuff on the field and just being being awful people that's that's not cool. No, it's not. But as a fan of the L.A. Lakers and seeing what the city of L.A. has done after some of the championships they've won, I, well, at least they know. wait until the game's over. <laughs> like, I, like I, I hate all sports vandalism and any of that kind of stuff. But at least you keep it, keep it together for the game. Yeah, fair. It's on TV. But yeah, so the thing I didn't understand about that game today was that apparently, you know, the thing that started that whole incident where the catcher was throwing back to the pitcher and it hits off of the the batter's bat and. Either while there's a runner on third and the runner on third runs home and the umpire is, you know, calling timeout while this is happening. Apparently letting the runner score was the right call per How can you even call timeout in a in a in a baseball game? Like if there's an act you have to let the play finish. So that that part was bad. That was wrong. But the the idea that the runner could score on that play is part of the rules. Yeah, isn't that how the uh last year uh, against the Nationals, isn't that how we got we like sewed up the uh, championship series. No, that was a that was just a, a wild pitch. I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. No, this was a really unique situation. Uh, but no, the rule is that if the batter isn't intentionally trying to impede the catcher from throwing the ball back, if it just hits him naturally, like I guess this did, <laughs> um, that that's considered a live ball. Which that's a dumb rule. I just I don't even know why why you would even set up a situation like what happened today. Just make it so that if it hits the batter, the play's dead. You mean the catcher? No, if it hits the batter, if the, if the catcher hits the batter as he's throwing it back. Oh, oh, whoops. Oh, it, wasn't, it was the catcher that threw it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the batter was just kind of, you know, getting ready for the next pitch. Like he kind of extended his arms out with the bat while the catcher was simultaneously throwing the ball back and the ball hit the bat and then, you know, rolled into the infield. Weird, weird play. Weird game. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, I, I made the joke right at the beginning, like, you know, kind of who cares about the postseason because the Angels and Giants aren't there. But kidding aside, this has actually been a phenomenally exciting uh, postseason. I mean, what, four of the five series have gone to game five? Mm-hmm. And all the remaining players uh, haven't been to the World Series in like 20 years? Except the, the, Dodgers, the, the, the remaining teams, yeah. Yeah. Um, even though even the Dodgers, I I mean they haven't been in the World Series I think since the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. So, and look at what money buys. <laughs> They'll lose tomorrow. It's I okay. hope so. But I, yeah, <laughs> Good I mean the the craziest thing, of course, is the the Cubs story, right? Because of the whole Back to the Future angle. I never saw the movie, so this is all you. Oh, so so Back to the Future Part Two, where they go into the future at the beginning of the movie, they go. I think it's October 21st, 2015. So it's actually coming up next week is the exact day. And um, there's a joke near the beginning of when they get to the future about how the Cubs had just won the World Series. And, you know, that that was the first time they had won since, you know, they won back in the early 1900s. And so it's just it's crazy that here we are in the real 2015 and, you know, they've got a real shot at it. And I guess the other thing that I had forgotten about that movie, too, is that I think they had beaten in the World Series, like, some uh, Miami team. And also, at the time that movie came out, the, the Marlins were the Florida Marlins. Or maybe they might not have even been a franchise yet, but anyway, if, if they were, they were the Florida Marlins. And so, the fact that there's also now a, Mar- or a, um, a Miami baseball team. 
very very precedent or prescient rather of uh, Back to the Future. That's Perhaps. an that's an SAT word. <laughs> you don't get penalized for guessing. <laughs> um, all right, and then so two other things I got. Um, are are you on board with the uh, the idea that the uh, in terms of who you pick, like if there's no team that interests you, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, well, very much so. Uh, yeah. So I'm, no matter no matter who's playing the Dodgers, you, you just you're just against them. Oh, definitely. You'll be a bandwagon fan. No, I, absolutely. Yes. Okay. And then yeah, with with the, with the Utley thing, do you have any opinion on that? Anyway, it was a dirty play. I, I don't really know how else you could see it. But I mean, do you think the the rules of the game will be changed at all? It like uh, how it was when uh, Buster Posey got. Uh, Got screwed in 2011. It, it's tough to say. I mean, I think how quickly the rule changed after the Buster Posey play was surprising because baseball is a very traditional game. I think of all the four major sports, it's the sport that holds its traditions in the highest regard. And I think it's very, very slow to to change. I mean, I think they were the, the last major sport in the U.S. right to adopt like instant replay, for example. Well, yeah, but also I think above all, baseball's and like a not a violent sport. It's it's a, it's like a they place priority on athleticism and like strategy and that kind of stuff, but not just like. I think this is where that what would draw their attention. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to say. I know um, the commissioner came out the other day and and said it's something that they would look at, but you know, obviously didn't commit to anything. So yeah, I, I don't know. Hmm. Well, the worst baseball is better than the best football. Mm. And with that, let's begin the show. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and start. <laughs> Big week. All right. So do you, do you want to get started? Do you want me to throw the first thing out? Uh, I, we can go ahead and get started. Um, I, so I, I killed my Mac Mini, which is what we uh, record this show on. Oh, totally didn't even uh, put that down. All right. What happened? So... When I had purchased it a couple of years ago, I went on to iFixit and bought the dual hard drive kit because uh, I wanted to experiment with making my own fusion drive. It was kind of just a nerdy thing to do. So I, I bought the kit, you know, I, I, I installed it. And, you know, the crazy thing with replacing the hard drive on a Mac Mini is that you literally have to take every single piece of electronics out of the case. I think I even had shown you a picture at the time where... When you get to the hard drive enclosure itself, the case of the computer is literally empty. It's, it's just a piece of metal. So it's a pretty involved process to, to swap out a hard drive. Um, and so I wanted to install uh, Yosemite on, or I guess, what are we up to now? Not Yosemite. El Capitan. El Capitan, thank you. Um, on the Mac Mini. And I wanted to uh, put in an, another SSD that I had. And so I, I went to go do that last night and, you know, took it all apart, um, put it all back together and it just wouldn't turn on just, you know, not, not even like it would turn on and not post like it just literally the, the power light just did not come on nothing. So I, you know, took it all apart again, uh, tonight cause it, it got pretty late last night and just kind of gave up, went to bed and I took it apart again last night. And as I was doing that. I, you know, started to kind of see where there could have been any sort of like loose power connector. So I kind of started just fiddling around with some things and I broke one of the power cables. <laughs> so wait, you broke it the second time or you found that you broke it the first time? I, I broke it the second time. So 
if if there was any chance of it working again, I ruined that this evening. So so the Mac the Mac Mini is dead. And it's it's not coming back. Um so and you had uh did you have the the like the two thousand eight to 2012 like impossible to repair one or did you have the new one that's kind of more like home theater friendly i had the new one that was home theater friendly with the hdmi port and all that and then where like the bottom just screws off right okay now yeah. so you're getting it replaced or what's what's gonna happen so I, I don't really know um so you know for the time being um like for this for the purposes of this show i just have my you know retina macbook pro hooked up to the cinema display which is actually a pretty reasonable setup for me considering how little I'm at the the desk here. Um, you know, I, I was looking around today at various sort of, you know, docking solutions for the, the MacBook Pro, and there's a couple of decent ones out there, which, you know, seems like for the time being could be a pretty decent solution. Because, I mean, you know, this computer is basically brand new, and I use it throughout the day at work, and so it kind of makes a lot of sense just to plop it on a dock, you know, at, to the cinema display when I get home. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, the the ideal solution, like we've talked about on the show, and which we've talked about extensively offline, is you know, five K iMac. But I just I think for my for my needs, um, it just that's that's a stretch. Yeah, but can't you just take it to work and then you benefit there? <laughs> to take the five K iMac to work? Yeah, each day. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, that could that could work. It, it's a portable desktop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's tricky. You, hmm. I mean, you know, like like I said, I I've got the the MacBook Pro hooked up to my cinema display now, and it's it's a fairly reasonable setup. I mean, it's it's a little janky right now just because you know the the laptop's just on the desk, and I've got all these cables running to it. So having some type of dock would be a lot nicer. But conceptually, I think just hooking this up to a display, and then I've you know I've already got my wireless keyboard and mouse here, so. And that seems to be probably the most responsible solution. And there's no circumstance where you would just use the laptop alone. Um, I could. Like, like I mean, is is the, since you no longer have like a wired Ethernet connection. I mean, it, is there really that much benefit in the large screen for you at that point? It's it's actually a little bit of a tangent. It's funny you mentioned the Ethernet port. I had totally forgotten that this thing didn't have one, and so I when I put it on my desk tonight, I Thunderbolt adapter. <laughs> I mean, it's the uh, my airport extreme is on the same desk as the laptop, so you know it's that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this doesn't have an Ethernet uh, port. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think having the bigger screen and then having the external keyboard and mouse is still a pretty big benefit. Um, and and the big thing for me too is I use my cinema display for my Windows desktop, and I think that's you know for my particular case the biggest thing that would make a 5k iMac kind of not the right fit because it doesn't have any ability to do any sort of target display mode and I I get the technological reasons why that's you know not possible with the type of resolution it's pumping out but you know I I wouldn't be able to have both a 27 inch screen and you know a second screen for my Windows machine on the desk that I have that just wouldn't wouldn't be a good solution and I know you probably wouldn't consider this, but you wouldn't ever just boot camp and use your super fast iMac 5K with its pretty decent GPU as your desktop? 
or as your gaming computer? I, I mean, I, I so a I just built this gaming machine, you know, less than two years ago. Um, some, it, some cost fallacy that doesn't no. Fair. Move on. Um, no, I still even the top of the line iMac I still don't think is all that great for games. Like I think the the even the discrete graphics in the iMac for for games is still fairly limited. I mean, I would I, I would guess the two year old PCI Express card in my desktop is faster than the top of the line discrete graphics you can get in the iMac today. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I, I I don't know about that for sure either. But okay. Anyway, all right. So that's not in your future. That's okay. Yeah, so, you know, rest in peace, Mac Mini. Uh, it was just stupid. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I did last night. I, I was really, really careful. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what happened. But there's a lot involved with that process. So, you know, any, any one of a number of things could have gone wrong, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well. Goes to, goes to the farm upstate. <laughs> yes. To play with all the old uh, Dalmatian iMacs. That's right. Or to, to play maybe with a, a Palm 7. <laughs> Good call. All right. So what next? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, that's, that's about all I've got. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about Overcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. You like it. I don't. So let's, let's start there. <laughs> so. Begin. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I'm sure people know Overcast is a podcasting application that you can get for iOS. Uh, when it came out last year, um, it had a lot of limitations, which apparently nobody cared about, but I did. Um, it didn't support streaming for the longest time. It was very feature limited. And like a week ago, there was a newer software release, the 2.0 version, that does include streaming uh, support. And it has now gone completely free, which is one of the more interesting parts of it. Um, that's mainly it. It's still not compatible with me. I think so I'll, I'll let you I'll let you talk about how how much you love it um I mean it you know I, I guess I don't for I guess a lot of it for me is with a podcast client it, it sort of just is in the background it, in some ways it's like a web browser where the content's front and center and kind of the wrapper around it I don't interact with a ton so for me I've got a couple of simple playlists set up in overcast which we've talked about and you know that that's kind of it like i don't i don't really spend a lot of time looking at the ui or interacting with the app itself at all and so i i don't really have strong feelings one way or the other towards the app it just it kind of just works and does what it's supposed to do okay um then maybe can you can you help me maybe figure out how to use it well so i think the 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 unique thing it has are are playlists and then the smart playlists specifically. But what if you don't use playlists? Um, because, like right now, I'm looking at it, and there's a couple things that make zero sense to me. There's a section that says playlist all episodes. Then it says podcast, which has some podcasts in it. And then there's a section below it called played podcasts. Right. But it seems to make zero distinction as to what goes where. No, so the the podcasts are episodes that you have downloaded and are unlistened to. But then, I have a whole, like uh, upgrade is currently in there, yet I've listened to all episodes that are downloaded in the podcast section. Yes, I don't have an answer for that though. Like it even shows, like this is the thing that makes no sense because when you go into a podcast, it has like little three tabs. It says unplayed all and settings. Under unplayed, it says episode fifty eight, and it says played next to it. 
Hmm. Oh, stuff like that. And then also I like the one big thing that bugs the bugs crap in me is if you um, are on the podcast list and you tap the, the playback little bar at the bottom, it goes back to the like podcast description first before going to it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that, that just drives me crazy. Because I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just super bummed that Instacast is no longer developed and, and is getting more buggy by the day. And there are no other good options, because apparently everybody has just decided that Overcast is, is great. Because oh, smart speed does nothing for me, but like being functional and, and being good is important to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was actually just thinking about this the other morning. I, I should give smart speed a try again, because I, I guess it's been improved even more in this latest version. And... It it seems like it conceptually sounds like a pretty good idea, especially for somebody like me who constantly falls behind with podcasts. But I don't know. There's just something about it that seems wrong in a way. It does. And also, I think like for a well-produced podcast, the pauses sometimes are intentional. And also, that's just the way people speak. And if, and if everything's just condensed so that there's no free space... Like that, I don't know. That just seems like it, you you lose something there. I mean, totally. As the the hosts of a show, which you know utilizes the dramatic pause quite frequently, I, I think you know that holds very true. Sure. I was hoping you would do that. Well, well done. Thank you. Yes. Yes. We're an experienced team. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Anyway, but it's just I'm glad it has streaming now, but the font is still hideous. The the way that you can you just can't tap the now playing bar and have it just go to what you want and just it there's so many weird design decisions and the thing is i know that like there's no point in writing in like of trying like to ask like why is something this way or give a suggestion because you know it's marco i think actually no see i disagree there i actually think marco's pretty responsive towards people who write into him it's not not to say that he is actually going to make the change but i think he actually will respond to you I don't know, but if you ever listen to ATP, all he, has, uh, all he ever does is talk shit about anybody who has an opinion that isn't, um, I love you, I love your application. Well, that's the fair, yeah. Like this, and, that, and that's bothersome, just because, like, the only thing, there's one app that's actually very good, as because I've tried everything. Uh, Castro is extremely nice, except it doesn't have an iPad version, and there's no web or desktop client. There's an app called Pocket Cast that's very good. But they uh, and they do have a web version, but they are cross-platform, so they their app doesn't get updated very often because they also make Windows Phone and Android versions. So I don't know. I gotta. I think I'm gonna have to settle for Pocket Casts, even though it's not perfect, but it's also not nearly as weird as Overcast is. Hmm. <sighs> so super sad. I was really holding out hope it would be the answer to. Um, the missing hole in my heart that over uh, that Instacast has left. Yeah, the the part that you did mention about um, an iPad app and a desktop app that's the part where you and I really really differ. I just I never I never like and it's, it's actually a big feature of Overcast is the syncing. What is it syncing with then? Well, it, it has its own custom I think iCloud based solution. No, but I'm saying what is if if it doesn't have a Mac app, then what the hell is it syncing with? Well, it has an iPad app. And it has a web desktop version, I believe. No, it doesn't. I believe it, it does. does. No, it does, but it doesn't. It totally doesn't. Well, but it syncs with that, I think. But it's so not good. Well, whatever. But It's basically a play button that just starts playing an MP3. It does absolutely nothing. 
um well in, in, in any case that, that that's the part i just cause i just always listen to podcasts on my phone so that the, the thought would never cross my mind to listen to a podcast on my ipad or even my mac yeah i i do i've been listening more and more to podcasts on my phone because i have this weird desktop uh, headphone and speaker situation i don't know maybe that'll stick and then i can go uh, just ios only you know there's a solution for that your what's that desktop speaker solution Oh, the Bose Companion 3s? Uh, the, the Retina, or the, I guess the 5K, as they say, iMac. Hmm. Hmm. Just, just saying. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I don't know. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that's all the complaining I can do about that. Had high hopes. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm still using it. Uh, I'll keep on using it, but yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about the Surface Book? Is that what it's really called? Yeah. Okay. Isn't it? I didn't make that up in my sleep, did I? Um, I, 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 I thought it was called something else. Surface. Sam, I, sorry, I, I, I went away from the mic there. I'm, my setup's all different now. Surface Book. No, oh, maybe that is what it's. Yeah, that's what it's called. Hmm. The best, or sorry, the ultimate laptop. Yeah. So this is. Um, so I guess Microsoft had an event last week, um, which unveiled some new hardware and talked about some new Windows 10 numbers, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things they came out with is, yeah, evidently the Surface Book is what it's called. Um, and it's a continuation on Microsoft's long-running dream of building the perfect all-in-one solution, which is you know both your laptop and your tablet, which you know the, the Surface has been, I guess, for a while. But I guess... The, the best way to describe what the Surface Book is and how it's different is, you know, if you just looked at the Surface and you had to say, does this skew more as a tablet or a laptop, you'd say laptop. Whereas when you look at, or I'm sorry, you'd say tablet. Whereas when you look at the Surface Book, you'd say this skews towards being more like a laptop. Definitely. So you buying one? No, definitely not. Why not? I mean, I think, you know, if I've said this before about the Surface, too, I think if, you know, my employer offered this because I, I use a Windows based laptop at work, I think if, if I had the option at work of having a convertible laptop that could also be a tablet, that, that potentially could be useful. Um, but, you know, for a personal laptop, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly content with my Retina MacBook Pro. Good. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the idea, I think, is um, it's interesting. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about it on the show. Like, if you could somehow make one device that was both a great tablet and a great laptop, obviously, that's a you know, killer piece of hardware. But, you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't know how you do that without having to make compromises at both ends. Yeah, I mean, my, I think in their marketing, they keep trying to convince themselves that this is a no compromise machine but i think it always has to be and i think that's why it does make a ton of design compromises so i mean the unique things about this one is that it's splitting the battery in between the the screen and the keyboard so the whole point is that you have this um like rigid keyboard dock that makes it turn into a laptop but if you want it to just be a uh a windows 10 uh like tablet style device you can like undock it but then the battery life drops down to like three or four hours because only half the battery is in the screen. So that's weird. Uh, the hinge 
and doesn't allow it to close fully, which I think is the, the part that would drive me absolutely nuts, even if I wanted a Windows machine. So, I don't know, it's it's interesting, and I think it's probably the most compelling Windows 10 thing I've seen in a while. Like, those convertible, like, funky yoga tablet things don't really make a whole lot of sense for me. So I think, I think it's cool. Yeah, but, you know, exactly what you just said is perfect examples of just how it the, the premise of being able to build one machine to be both a great laptop and a, a tablet is just it, it's, it's not it's not possible yet well but i think this is the closest and i think again like if apple made something like this and it had the same design compromises i would buy it in a second because there are like i i do wish that i had a, a um an ipad that was a lot closer to a mac and i would take a, a compromise on battery life if i could use that type of thing it's just that I'm not a Windows person. Yeah, I mean, it, it, some, some I don't know what you'd call it, MacBook or iPad, but some device like that where if it was, you know, attached to the keyboard, it ran OS X, and then when you detach it, it ran iOS or something like that? No, be... no, it, it, no, it wouldn't run iOS. No, none of that nonsense. Because, <laughs> again, we already know that iOS doesn't work. Wow, this, the Surface Book ships in five to six weeks. Interesting. Can't keep up with that demand. I guess. I also did a little experiment just on the, the main page here, and I searched for the word tablet. It appears exactly once on the page. And then I searched for the word uh, laptop, which appears 12 times on the page. So ba backing up the, the theory that this, you know, if, if the surface is 75-25 in favor of uh, tablet, this is 75-25 in the other direction. It's a pretty expensive machine, too. So the, the base model which is 128 gigabyte SSD, eight gigabytes of RAM, and an Intel uh, Core i5, 14.99. Well, how much does it cost for the good one? So you can, you, you can spec it all the way up to a uh, 512 gigabyte SSD with an uh, Intel Core i7, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and a dedicated, dedicated GPU, which they abbreviate DGPU, which I really appreciate. Um, and that's 26.99. How much storage? 512. Hmm. Which, you know, by, by comparison, that starts to make the uh, 5K iMac look like a pretty good deal, if you know what I'm saying. Surface Pen included. Which is a $100 value coming from the Apple world. At least they had the sense to call it a pen, not a pencil. Yeah. yeah. Have I told you why the pencil bothers me? Because it, pencil implies that there's an eraser. Hmm. And there isn't. So just the Apple Pen, whatever, even though, it's, even though that's also a bad name. Pencil is just way worse. And bundle it in. Come on. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I totally get the not bundling in the keyboard case, but man, for the, the prices that the iPad Pro starts at, not bundling in that pencil is pretty killer. Or just bundle it and raise the price $50. We know their, their margins are high enough. Just Yeah, yeah. Although, so actually, so that, that's, that's transition to a topic that's been on my, my mind. So uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday the 13th, Apple came out with refreshed versions of uh, the iMac, and they also came out with some new accessories, new Magic, which I'm, I'm doing the air quote thing, keyboard, Magic Mouse, and Magic Trackpad. Um, and the, the big thing with the iMacs was they came out with Retina versions, 4K versions, I guess, of the 21-inch iMac. And so the reason why I was segueing into this is because a lot of the commentary about the 21-inch 4K iMac has been about how the base model comes with a 5400 RPM spinning disk drive. 
which you know on one hand i i do think is is pretty ridiculous i mean I, ssds are really they're the standard basically at this point for who? um I, I think for almost everybody i think ssd is one of those rare Not for pc manufacturers well true that's true but I, I think what I mean is that SSDs are that kind of rare piece of technology that everybody can benefit from. Even if you're the most casual of users, you can definitely see a difference with an SSD. Well, but everybody can see a difference with healthcare. You only really hit on every maybe 12th or 15th analogy that you try to make. But, but I'm, I'm serious. Like, you can't... Like, like that, that's, that's saying that you should give everybody, like, a really nice car. Like, sure, it's better, but at what price? Like, you, you can't force everybody to have nicer technology. Okay, so actually, I maybe I made fun of your analogy too soon. Because actually, that, that is the direction I'm taking this, where people came out and said, like, oh, like, you know, Apple should put in an SSD. Like, the, why, why wouldn't they do this? They should, they should just do that. And, you know, I think actually part of it also bleeds into the whole 16 gigabyte iPhone thing, too. Like, people somehow feel, like, entitled to have Apple put more storage in the iPhone. And I think it's just a smart business decision and a smart user decision to do so. But the idea that Apple, you know, you have like the the right to tell Apple that they should do that or Apple is some way obligated to do that. That's it, a weird, that's a weird thought process. I, I, I don't, I don't really understand that at all. Well, I would disagree. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you, you came around to agree with me, but I'm going to disagree with you. The, the, the I don't think that parallel to the 16 gigabyte phone makes sense because the fact that it comes with a spinning disk, even though it's slower, you still get more useful storage. The complaint I think people have about the 16 gigabyte phone is that just for the vast majority of people, it's too little memory to operate. And it it's not a speed question. It's a capacity question that greatly diminishes your the user experience i think still though the the connection i'm trying to make is that the idea that apple somehow owes it to the users to do that like that i don't really get that i i think they do i think there is there should be a base level of performance and like just reasonableness of of what you provide a user for a top tier phone if this is your top of the line device that costs 650 dollars unsubsidized Having more than 11 gigabytes of usable space is probably a good idea. You can complain that, oh, yes, the, the I.O. performance on a, a, a computer is much better with an SSD. But you can still, like, it's, is it a 500 gig or a one terabyte spinning disk in the lowest end model? I think it's a one terabyte spinning disk. So if you go up to the nicer model that has like the top of the line 21 inch doesn't that include a 256 gig ssd something like that yeah so you get a quarter of the space for most regular people they would be much happier with having four times the space and it being slower hmm. that's where i think that the analogy breaks down like i i think i don't see because like me i couldn't live with a 256 gig ssd so then like you get up into like a really high price range like ssd prices just haven't dropped enough for that, like, we barely got to the point where the 27-inch line has gone completely retina. So I just, I just think it takes a while. So I think people should, there should be a reasonable expectation that Apple or that a manufacturer takes into account what makes a good user experience and what the bare minimum should be. But, I mean, there's a line. I, okay, that's, that's fair. So then sticking with just the iMac, I, I think it is weird to have this opinion that Apple should have an ssd be in the base 
No, I mean, I think if if you're some if you if you, like somebody asks for your opinion or if if you are giving somebody advice, then I think if you're buying a computer like this, that's not like I think if you're already buying a Mac or or you've stepped up to a, a desktop computer that starts at like fifteen hundred dollars, I, I think you should at least get one that's like I think an SSD makes enough of a difference where you should not go for the baseline model. I understand why Apple wants to have it, but that still doesn't put them into the like $500 HP junky computer thing. Yeah, the the 21 inch screen on the new iMac makes sense to me for various reasons, but yeah, I I, I agree with the the SSD piece. If if you're going to get into that price range, you know, I I think it's like a I think it's a on the base model, I think it's a $200 difference to go from the 1 terabyte spinning disk to the 256 SSD like that. That, that kind of seems like something you should do. Um, I'm not sure about that. Hold on. So, I was looking more at the 27-inch models today. Because if you go to the 21-inch and you want to go... Damn, microphone's in front of the other thing. If you want to go to even... Oh, yeah, it's $200 to go to the uh, quarter terabyte SSD. Nope, you're right. Quarter, ter- quarter terabyte. Very That's f- easier than 256. Very fancy. Why does going to the Fusion Drive cost $100? Well, because there's an SSD as part of that, too. Not a very Bare- big one. Barely. Yeah, I'd be inter- I've been interested to see like what sort of the latest benchmarks are with the Fusion Drive. I remember, I think it was Marco in the early days of Fusion Drive came out, did a bunch of really extensive testing and showed that in, a, in a most use cases, the Fusion Drive actually really wasn't that great. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of the Fusion Drive, but I don't think it's useful enough i think we're like flash memory prices while not cheap are getting cheap enough where i don't see the necessity of this weird stopgap measure well i think it's just you know it's a lot like the surface book where in concept maybe it's good but in execution it's tough to pull off yeah anyway i mean people should be going for the cheapest model um because they need to save up their money for these magic accessories (sighs) yeah so like i said at the top we've got a new Magic, and again, I'm I'm doing air quotes. Keyboard, Magic Mouse Two, and Magic Trackpad. Um, I feel like with with both like the Magic, <laughs> that's such a stupid phrase. Magic Keyboard and Magic Mouse Two, like nothing's really changed outside of them both now having rechargeable batteries, which you recharge through a Lightning port. Well, a little bit. So um, the Magic Trackpad is is bigger and wider. Um, because it's rechargeable now, it doesn't have kind of that weird, um, like battery hump in the back it, and because of that, it now clicks properly at the bottom and also it now supports force touch, not 3d touch force touch. Um, so I mean, that's a big difference. The magic mouse, I mean, who cares? Uh, and then the magic keyboard, they're full size function keys now. That's big. Yeah. I mean, it looks really nice. Especially compared to, I have the model previous to this, and you know, I'm I'm looking at the website now, looking down at my keyboard, and you know, visually the new keyboard's a lot n- nicer. But I mean, man, hundred bucks for this thing. Well, it's bundled with a new iMac, so hundred dollar value. Mm-hmm. Enough of those hundred dollar values, and it pays for itself. That's right. Yeah, it's Tesla math. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, do you get there's some tax incentives available there? Uh, yes, I think the state of California will allow you to drive in the carpool lane when you're driving your iMac home. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else there is to say about these. I mean, for me, I would never, I would never use either the Magic Trackpad or Magic Mouse as part of my desktop setup. I just never would. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm used to this ergonomic mouse, so yeah, I don't think I'd ever do that. I mean, just the idea of using a trackpad on a on a desktop setup just doesn't make any sense to me. And then well, Snell seems to stand behind it, so there must be something to it. I agree. That's actually what I was thinking as I said that. But I just for me, I just don't see it. And then it, the the Magic Mouse just seems like an inferior mouse in almost every way possible. Because it is. Yeah. So I just, you know, for both of these things for me, like the, the keyboard I get, kind of, like it looks like a nice keyboard, but yeah, the 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 other input devices, I just, there are, like, I, I honestly think that this little Logitech M510 mouse that I have, which is, I think, $20 on Amazon, is way more comfortable than the Magic Mouse is. Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't look the same. I don't think the Magic Mouse looks that nice either. I think it just it looks too it looks too shallow. Because it is. Yeah. Oh, hold on, wait. Um uh, The the people me, are just waiting in suspense here. Okay. Uh let me send you a link. Okay. So because people complain the Magic Mouse is too shallow, somebody actually invented this. Hmm. I have to Oh, it's a website here. Oh. <laughs> this is pretty good. So this is a, <laughs> this is a, I'm, I'm assuming a parody website. No, this is, this is legitimate. Do people sell this thing? Yes. This is like a little block that sits on top of the magic mouse that you rest your hand on. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. I mean, I think, you know, my, my magic mouse fix solution would just be to not buy a magic mouse. You can spend, how much, how much does this cost? I really hope it's more than the cost of your mouse because, damn, no, it's 12 bucks. You spend half the cost of your mouse to get a slightly less functional mouse. I think. I think the other thing that about the the trackpad and the Magic Mouse for me is, and maybe this is you know an indictment on how I use my Mac, but I don't really use many of the trackpad gestures, and I th- I feel like that's sort of the main benefit of both the trackpad and the Magic Mouse is is the ability to do you know the two, three, and four finger gestures, and I just I just don't do a lot of that on my MacBook Pro. I wonder if any of those would apply to logic, like being able to uh, use two fingers to swipe horizontally easily. Maybe. I mean, I, I use a ton of keyboard shortcuts in logic, but I just don't use a lot of trackpad stuff. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. All right. What else? Um, I guess, so the, the other big topic that I had um, from the last two weeks, I guess we missed last week, um, is... Amazon and the, their decision to not carry uh, the Apple TV anymore or any, any device which doesn't have Amazon Prime video. To avoid customer confusion. To, to avoid customer confusion. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting and it obviously comes at a really fascinating time where, you know, the new Apple TV is about to come out with third-party apps and this and that. And, you know, I, I think... What what I'm guessing the problem for Amazon is, is even if they were to come out with a new, you know, even if they were to come out with an app for the new Apple TV, they still wouldn't allow folks to sign up for Amazon Prime through the app because then Apple would, you know, take their 30% share. 
And I think that's I think that's where it, it breaks down. Because I know some people came out and said with this news, like, well, you know, even if they don't have an app for the current Apple TV, they're, they could very easily have one for the new Apple TV. So why would they decide to do this now? And I think that's what it comes down to is technically they are going to be able to have an app now, but it's not going to function the way they want it to, where a user can just go into the app, sign up for Prime, and be on their way. Yeah, so, so that's that's the Mike was right uh, approach, but I I don't necessarily buy that. Like, I just, I'm just I'm just not sure that's actually the case. Well, so why else would they do this? To to be petty people, like I, I because like what what do they reasonably expect that you have an entire like that you can just access all of Amazon.com? Like I understand that Apple, I think their whole thirty percent gatekeeper thing. Particular, like I think that's completely fair and justified on app purchases and media purchases or whatever they charged on. Where I think it breaks down is if you're starting a subscription or you're doing an in-app purchase, where Apple does almost nothing other than the process, the transaction processing. I, I think it's lame, but I don't necessarily think that's why this is. I think anybody who's signed up for Prime is probably already signed up for it, or I think within the rules. Apple can very, very easily, uh, that Amazon can easily say, uh, you must sign up first at Amazon.com. And everybody has an iPhone in their pocket, and they can just go do that. So I don't think that's what this is. I just think maybe they think that their margins on retail are so low that they need to, that any any profit they're going to make is going to come from their in-house devices and pushing people into that subscription service. Yeah, I guess that, that could be part of it too. I know the media reports are like most people don't pay attention to that, so I'm not really sure if any regular people will ever know. I think maybe they'll, they'll this um, search for an Apple TV and not find it at Amazon. They'll be like, "Oh, I guess Amazon doesn't carry that," and they won't know that it's a purposeful decision on Amazon's part. But I think if people do begin to find out about that, I think that is bad news for Amazon that they're now using their dominant position in e-commerce to like pick winners and losers and like do that kind of stuff. Basically I don't I don't think they're going to get whatever they want out of this decision. I think it just sets a bad precedent and leaves a bad feeling in in the people who are aware of the decision. I don't disagree. Does this make you feel better about Amazon? <sighs> um I mean, I don't know. It it feels like every company that I have either previously liked or want to like are becoming harder to like. Give me more examples. Um, well, Amazon, of course. Um, Uber. But they just launched um, Uber Russian San Francisco. <laughs> um, what what other what other good example? I feel like I I, sh- I should have another good example. Um, yeah, I don't really have another good one, but. And those those two are are I mean I, I use both of them a ton. I mean Uber and Amazon are two of the the things that I I use most common through, commonly throughout the week, and it's it's kind of a bummer to have to be down on both of them. Well, but you won't stop using them, so they don't know. No, yeah. I'm not going to stop using them. So way to hold your ground. Yeah, eh, I, I know the feeling. It's tough to take a stand because there's so many good like. I, I would greatly not, I, I would like to take a stand and not eat at Chick-fil-A because of their politics, but 
chicken sandwiches. Yeah, well, I, I think the thing with Amazon and Uber is so. So where where am I going to go? What's the alternative? Uh, is Buy dot com still a thing? <laughs> or I mean, I could go to Jet dot com now since it's free. Um, uh, don't get, don't get me started on them. Uh, um, w- weren't they the new Costco? And then and then they just abandoned that whole <laughs> entire thing. So they um. They they basically have taken over uh, Muni and Bart in downtown San Francisco. Every I've been meaning to send you a picture of this this week. I keep forgetting to. But yeah, they any of the any of the stops like the Embarcadero stop now. Just every single ad is a Jet.com ad. Gross. They they really love the color purple. They're all about it. And they're ruining the color purple. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wait. Where are we going with that? I don't know. I I it's complete tangent. I I wish. I wish I knew when the new Apple TV was coming out. It's still yeah. still still unavailable for pre-order. Still no definitive release date. But I I very much would like the new Apple TV. Um, but speaking of new uh, TV devices, oh, that's the big thing. I knew there was one more. Yeah. So they, you were holding out. I, well, we save you know we save the best topics for last. That's what the that's what the pros do. So you can get all the ad reads in before then. Who, who's our next month? <laughs> hey, you want to tell us about something you like? Um, no. So I, I, um, I got Ooh, a, Gordon. oh yeah, we'll, we'll end with that. We'll end on a happy note. So I, wait, is the t going to be a sad note? <laughs> no, it'll be fine, I guess. So I, is it I active yet? God, yeah, it is. Yes. Um, so I, I have a, a Tiva bolt now. Um, so we, you know, we talked about this on, on the last, the last show where, you know, I wasn't like I was clamoring for a new TiVo. I mean, my, my Romeo was working just fine. Um, but when the, in the position I was in, like economically, it, it, it was basically a no brainer to get the bolt. So I got the base model, which is two ninety nine, and it comes with a year of service for free, which they value at $150 because going forward, it's another 149 each year after the first free year. And I was paying $15 a month for the Romeo which ends up being like $180 or something like that. So, you know, between getting the the year of service for free, paying less for the service on a go-forward basis, and being able to sell my current Romeo... <laughs> on a go-forward basis. I know, it's very accountant of me. Um, you know, the, you combine those three things, and I'm coming out ahead on the deal. Plus, I'm getting, you know, some added benefits of the Bolt, namely the ability to stream in home and then also be able to download shows to my iPhone or iPad to watch, you know, on the road, uh, which is something that, you know, I, I really do regret with my Romeo not getting the higher end models so that I could do the streaming and the downloading to mobile devices. But now with the Bold, I, I have that, which is awesome. So quick pause or, or side turn. What you said in home streaming, does it allow, because... Does it allow you to do out-of-home streaming and you just don't use that? Or is there an artificial limitation that it's only in-home? Right now, it's only in-home with a planned software update to allow out-of-home, I think, sometime uh, late, uh, early next year. Interesting. So um, so anyway, so again, it, economically, it just it made a ton of sense to do it. So I did. Um, it, it came on Monday and uh, got it all set up. Um, so, if, you know, first impressions, the, the box is just as ugly in person as it is online. Um, it's really small, which is which is kind of interesting. It's, it's significantly smaller than even the Romeo, um, which I don't think comes out online. Um, the remote is white, which is really unfortunate. 
it's a really, really ugly remote, um, but oh well, I guess. But the, the important thing with the setup process is just how bad the setup process is. And I, it's funny because when I first started setting it up on Monday, I instantly remembered when I took it out of the box, I was like, oh yeah, I remember the Romeo being a complete pain in the ass to set up. I I'd, I'd kind of blocked it out of my memory, but as soon as I opened the box, all those memories came, you know, flashing back. Um, granted, you know, this time was a little bit easier because I didn't actually have to go out and physically get a cable card, which was a whole mess. Um, although I actually did have one of the Comcast guys on the phone tell me that he thought that I might have to get a new cable card because sometimes the transfer process didn't work. But we'll we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, no, the, the whole, the whole thing is just a complete disaster in terms of the setup. Like they don't, they don't tell you out of the box that you actually have to go onto the TiVo website to activate the box. Like you can't do it on the box itself. You actually have to enter the TiVo service number on TiVo.com on your computer. There's no way to do that on the device itself. Um, so I, I had remembered that this time around, but I remember being really confused about that with the Romeo, but you know, I, I could see the average the average Joe taking this out of the box and having no idea why it's not activated. And there's no instructions to tell you to go on TiVo.com and do it. So there's that whole thing. Um, the Bolt also had like two different software updates it needed to do, which required a bunch of downloading and rebooting. So that was a whole thing. And then transferring the cable card was just a complete nightmare. I had to call Comcast four different times. Uh, got disconnected one of the times. Another one of the times, the people I needed to talk to were in a department that was closed. Um, it, it just it was a it was a total total nightmare. And the screen that you just uh, <laughs> the screen the screenshot that you just sent me is exactly the screen that I was looking at, which shows you. Well, this is a parody, I guess, of that screen. But um, wait, is it a parody? Oh no, I guess it's not. Oh no, this is this is. Well, yeah, this is straight from TiVo. Yeah, so the, the the screen very similar to what you're showing me is what would come up, and you have to give them your host ID and cable card ID and this and that. And so eventually, I I got to the right person, and they were able to do it, and it, it it's fully activated now. But I mean, man, like I mean, even with like calling Comcast, like kind of the only way that I eventually kind of got in the right direction was I feel like I was basically like telling the rep what they needed to do. I was like, Hey, like, I think all I need to do is give you like my new host ID and my new like service code or something. I forget what it was called. Do you have the secret number? What do you mean? There's a secret Comcast number that gets you to people who know what they're talking about, about cable card. Oh no. All right. I'll have to send that to you. Okay. Well, I, w- I wish I would have known that. Maybe in three years. <laughs> You're right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, my, the takeaway that I had after this experience, which is the same takeaway I had with the Romeo, was there is no way I could possibly ever recommend a TiVo to a friend or a family member. Because I feel, even as a total tech nerd, I had a hell of a time getting this thing set up. Like, and I, there's no way I would ever expect any just average Joe consumer to take a TiVo out of the box and be able to figure out what to do with it. Just explaining what a cable card is to people, because you already had one. Can you? Are you even able to go to the Comcast store and just pick up a cable card, or do they force you to have a guy come out? No, with the the first one that I got, I, I just I went to the Comcast store here and picked picked one up. 
Was it a hassle or was that at least easy? Oh, it was a total hassle. I had to wait in a... Well, other than waiting. Yeah. I mean, no. Once I got up there, it was fine. But then, you know, like they can't activate it for you in the store because you don't, you know, you don't have your TO information. So you have to take it home and then speak to somebody else over the phone to activate it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like, it feels like there are, there are some things TiVo can do. I mean, certainly, like, the non-cable card stuff, like, the actual just TiVo service activation, like, how bad that is is completely inexcusable. And then on top of that, there's no way to cancel the service on my existing TiVo on the website. I have to call in. And, like, I, I get, like, you know, the idea of having to call someone to cancel service because they're going to try to talk you out of it. But, like... In this case, I already upgraded my box. Like, what more do you want from me? Just let me cancel my old one. Like, it's just the, the, the whole the whole experience with setting up a TiVo is just a nightmare. Um, but anyway, you know, the, getting past the initial setup nightmare, the box itself is really nice. It, it, it seems even a little bit quicker than the Romeo was. Um, the streaming to, like, my iPad here in the apartment is really cool. Um... And also being able to download shows to the iPad or to the iPhone is also really neat. Like you can just take any one of your recorded shows and there's a, when you access it on the TiVo iOS app, there's just a little download button and you can download it right to your device. Like all that stuff is really cool. So that, that's the part that I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, and how long does it take to download a show? I haven't tried it yet, uh, but it, it tells you the, the file size. So like an hour program at medium resolution whatever that is is around i think 300 megabytes and then uh, the highest quality version was like four to five hundred so you know depending on your network speed and then i guess just how fast the tivo is at transcoding the video um you know gotcha um but yeah, I mean, you know, I, so far so good after the setup. But yeah, I mean, just that that initial setup process, just you know, that 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 has to be better. It just has to be better. I the cable card part of it, I, I know that's out of TiVo's hands to a large extent, but I mean, you know, we we want to root for TiVo and we want them to do well, but just how awful that setup experience is makes it really hard to, in a in good conscience, you know, recommend this to anybody. Yeah, and and that's tough for a company that I like so much. But yeah, it's and I is it their fault? Like some of it's out of their control, but a lot of it, a lot of it isn't. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I think the non-cable card stuff that's a no-brainer. Like the the fact that it takes over an hour to download and install software updates, and there's no clear instructions with how you get service activated. Like that, all that is completely inexcusable. And then I also just, I feel like the situation I'm in with my old box too, where I have to call somebody now, like, why isn't there a a quick option to say like, oh, hey, you know, we see that you're activating a new TiVo. Do you want us to cancel service to your old one? Like, well, a a couple of reasons. One, have you looked at TiVo's uh, subscriber growth numbers? (laughs) And uh, because generally you're not supposed, you're supposed to upgrade your TiVo so that you don't get those weird promos. And and that's the part that's weird of, of how you got that. Or that they let you get that so easily. Yeah, I mean, so that when you, so you made that comment to me when we were talking about it, like, are you sure that it's, you know, as an existing subscriber, you're eligible? And I, I looked everywhere on the internet and no, nobody said anything to the contrary, but I was totally expecting to take this thing out of the box, get it activated and say, oh yeah, like, you know, there's no option for that free year of service. Uh, but, you know, it, it was the first thing that popped up when I entered the service code, so... Hmm. 
And I'm trying to download a half hour episode of TV right now, and it says it's going to take nine minutes to transfer 30 minutes of video. I think that that's about right, I think. That, that seems like a long time. Yeah, no, it is a long time, but I, I think because it, it's both downloading the video and transcoding it. So, Well, but the thing is, doesn't iOS um, kick stuff out if, you, if I exit the app, won't it stop? Yeah, I've, I've never really been clear on how the whole background, backgrounding of applications works. Hmm. All right. Well, congrats. Let me know. But have you watched anything that has the um, the automatic commercial skipping? Not yet. Um, so I guess that's only available on certain networks and only for like certain shows at certain times. Like I need to do some more research where that's even available. Yeah, I think it's on the twenty most popular networks from like 5 p.m to midnight or something yeah so i think maybe like I, i've been i downloaded a couple like or i uh, have season passes to like a couple like food network shows like maybe that'll maybe that'll have it i, I don't know are you a big chopped guy i am a big chopped guy yes has it gotten any better or is it still as ridiculous and as it always has been i, I you know it, it's a little silly but i love it I, there, there have been a couple of days where the the lady friend and I have totally just binge watched a ton of Chopped, and it, it's great. <laughs> okay, it's a fun show. The judges are cool. Um, Ted, it always. I mean, have you ever watched Top Chef? It's a little bit, but not nearly as much of as I have Chopped. Like it always, and I, don't take any offense. It's always seemed like the the, the poor man's cho- uh, <laughs> Top Chef, which which I don't mind, but it's it's just weird because like the way they make people walk away and they have like the, and who's the guy ted or yeah ted he has like this weird interview with them like right after they get booted it's, it's... well no he does he you know, he doesn't interview them it's, it's just someone off camera who interviews them uh, whenever they make like the, the the walk of shame out of the room it's it's always so awkward and weird and i just i can't watch another episode and where where they make all the contestants sit in a room together as the judges are deliberating that's always really awkward too yeah but it's it's a great show but yeah, I I um I haven't tried the the skipping thing yet. So I'm I'm that's the other I the first thing I was anxious to try out was the iOS stuff, which so far so good. But then yeah, the other thing I'm really intrigued by is uh is the commercial stuff. Nice. And I can confirm if you exit the iOS app, it stops transcoding and downloading. Great. So you just have to leave your phone for 10 minutes not do anything per half hour video. Perfect. Good luck good luck putting a season of TV on your uh on your iPad. Oh, lame. Um, anyway, um, so okay, let, let's wrap this up with uh, the, the most important story since we last spoke. Tiny dogs? Yes. Actually, they're not, they're not that tiny. They're medium-sized. They just have tiny legs. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. It's just on Saturday, uh, there was uh, Northern California's uh, fall event for CorgiCon. <laughs> it happened at Ocean Beach, and uh, it's the largest gathering of, of uh, tiny-legged pups. So it's so it's literally just people bringing their corgis to the beach, and then and then uh, dogless frauds like me uh, just come come and hang out with them. <laughs> dogless frauds, I like that. Yeah, the lady thought one that thought that one up. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and and oh, corgis are so well behaved and fun, and they're just ah, they're 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 so fun. So are you are you at some point planning on getting one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just right now, like, it, it doesn't make One, we'd have to pay extra pet rent. We'd have to move to the, the pet-friendly side of the apartment complex or move somewhere else. And then also we both work all day long, so we did have to pay for, like, doggy daycare. Right. Or just have a dog that doesn't get any attention for 18 hours a day, which is kind of messed up for the dog. Right. 
So yes, uh, we uh, really want one, but it's um, it's not in the cards for us right now. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, but it it was super fun, and uh, there were multiple uh, actually. A, a sizable number of dogs wearing GoPros, and that was weird. Yeah, I I saw that in your photos. That that was somewhat disturbing. Like I I get it, but also come on, people, just let, let leave, just leave one thing untouched by technology. Let your dog just be a dog. Yeah. But a lot of them wearing were wearing cool costumes, and they're just yeah, they're the best. Did you get to uh, like pet a lot of them, interact with them? Yes, while I was taking photos, a lot of them just kind of like came in. <laughs> one of them, yeah, while I was taking photos of another, uh, like of the, um, in the photos, there was this um, like little, uh, what's, what's it called? Like a ship that the, the dogs could sit in. Uh, I was taking photos for a couple minutes of uh, some dogs. And then there was one that just sat up next to me using me as shade because it was hot for a while. <laughs> and I didn't mind. I just pet him for a couple minutes. So that was fun. Uh, and your pictures were very good. I'm, this is with your uh, your mirrorless camera, your Sony. Yes. Yeah. Got to get one, man. Except not really. But yeah, I know, I know. Like I, yeah, I just I came off, you know, a couple shows ago talking about like how awesome just having my iPhone was as a, you know, my only camera on a vacation, and I, I still stand by that. But you know, then I look at the type of photos you're taking, and you know, as good as the iPhone photos are, those photos are still so much better. They're, and that's the thing, but also it's just, it, you have to be committed to taking the camera out for the day, making sure it's charged up, making, like, just, there's so much work around it that makes it, like, it only gets used a good, like, maybe once a month at most. And that's the challenging part. Yeah. Like, sure, the, the photos are way better, but, like, at what cost? Both monetarily and time and effort-wise. So, it's tricky. Yeah, exa- exactly. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah. next year you should go. It's uh, it's, it's it's the best. Corgis are the best. Everybody's uh, cor- uh, dogs. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. All right. All right. Cool. Until next week. Okay. <laughs>